Welcome to the Fathom Church Weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. Uh, We're happy to have you here today, or if you're joining us back, welcome back. We're so glad that you're here to listen to the Word um, from wherever you are. We're so grateful for the technology that keeps us connected and keeps us hearing the Word as a church body together, even when we're apart. Make sure to follow us to stay up to date on everything going on at Fathom on the Church Center app, Instagram, or YouTube, on our Facebook page, or our Fathom Family Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. What is up, Fathom Family? So good to see you all. Good to be here in the house with you today. I do want to shout out all of our Fathom fam online, which we've all been. Come on, let's show some love to everybody at home. You're, you're getting those, those friendly faces and smiles today. We want to make sure they just feel some love at home, right where you're at, on your couch or driving down the road, wherever you're at today. Uh, we love you. And I'm so thankful for that resource that we have online. It's not a replacement for the gathering of the body of believers. We still believe that the church is a people gathered. Uh, and I, I believe that'll be the case um, until Jesus returns. But uh, thank you for being flexible over the past uh, month as we've been at home for tuning in online. And uh, I'm excited to be here with you. My family is just fresh off sabbatical. We're refreshed and thankful and grateful for that time we've been able to spend as a family. But I'm telling you, there is no place I wanted to be more in the past three months than right here in this place on a Sunday gathering with you all. Um, I'm so excited to be here. If you're a guest, hey, jump in. We'd love to, to just get you connected. Looking forward to what God's going to do. Today, we are going to part two of a new series we started last weekend called Alignment. And let me just say, if you did not catch the message last week, it's okay because we have the resources for you. You can listen on podcasts. You can listen on you watch on YouTube. Make sure you get caught up because that's so important to the scripture that we're going to continue teaching on. And it's the right starting point last week. So you're going to pick up on step two today, but you got to go back and catch step one if you missed that. It's so important for us. Um, let's go ahead and dive in. I'll tell you when Taryn and I started dating. Um, back in 04. Um, and we would, her aunt and uncle lived about two hours from um, where we went to school. And so on the weekends, every once in a while, we would run down to Atlanta and hang out with her aunt and uncle. And one particular weekend, I became the butt of the joke. <laughs> Anybody ever have one of those weekends where like, everybody's picking on me. And that was the weekend. Everybody was picking on me um, because I was, I was using some classic idioms and phrases wrong. And they just thought that was hilarious. One of those was, and, and was, um, I, I said one felt swoop, like it came in one felt swoop. And I don't, I don't know what one felt swoop means. I really don't know what one fell swoop means either. Don't know the etymology or all that stuff behind that, but they just had a time just picking on me. Like I was such an idiot for saying this wrong and thinking I was so convinced that I had it right. I'm like, no, no, you guys are wrong. What does one fell swoop mean? Well, it wasn't just that one. I also, uh, it, the joke kept going because uh, instead of saying old wives' tale, right? Old wives' tale. Instead of saying that, I was saying old wise tale. Because to me, that makes a lot more sense because at the time I was just single. I didn't know what an old wives' tale is. Now I'm educated on what an old wives' tale is. <laughs> 
Yeah, you guys will get that. Okay, I, I felt some hate there. So I was just joking. I was just joking. But I, I got educated. I, at that time, I, I thought I was convinced. I knew what I was talking about. I thought I had these idioms, these classic phrases down, but uh, indeed, I did not. Um, and before you're plotting your harassment of me after service for my ignorance in this time, um, let me just say, we've all been there. We've all done this. We all especially do this with song lyrics, right? We, we think we've got the lyric down. Um, may, maybe this one, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. If you know them, sing along. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. But apparently a lot of people actually think this is like a breakup song. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I don't know who... The rain is for Johnny Cash, but that's not what he was saying. The rain is gone. Some of you have, have sang that one wrong. Uh, what about this old one? Give me the beat, boy, to free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll. And... All right, cool. Y'all bunch listening to, to all that secular music. It's okay. That song is my jam. That song is my jam. I love that song. But a lot of people, it, it actually doesn't say, give me the beat, boys. It says, give me, some people think it says, give me the beach, boys. You ever sing? Give me the beach, boys. Anybody? Come on, just confess. All right. All right. We're going to talk about confession another day. Um, uh, what, what about uh, this one? You guys remember uh, Toto's Africa? I miss the rains down in Africa. Right. I said that I miss the rains. I actually thought it was that. It's actually I bless the rains down in Africa. Somebody, will anybody raise your hand and say, I actually thought it was, I missed the rain. Anybody? Okay. There's a few more of you, but see, we've all had these things in which we think we know. We think we know. And we actually, we don't. We're wrong. We have our mind made up. It's clear on something. And then it turns out we're absolutely wrong on it. Um, and so I want to talk to you today, moving back in, about how do we do that in our own life, our own spiritual walk, aligning not to what we say is truth, aligning to what we believe is right, aligning who we want us to be, the image that we want to put out to everyone else. How do we align ourselves to the image of Christ and be transformed into his image as not only individuals, but as a body. And so we're going to pick back up last where we were last week, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, if not, it's going to be on the screen. Let's read it out loud together. Can we, can we read this together? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That was the message last Last week, here's a message this week. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I'm so thankful for uh, the word of God because I think the reality is that many of us, we do know there's some changes that need to be made. We do know that we've conformed to the pattern of this world in a lot of different ways. We know that our mental and emotional life, our financial life, our marriages, our relationships look just like everybody else's. That's not a Christian. That hasn't been bought by Jesus. And so we know there's something that God still wants to do in our life. I came back from sabbatical, a few LBs heavier. Um, as you might imagine, we were vacationing and I indulged on some ice cream 
every day, you know, just went to town. Um, and I came back and, and, and I knew just, we had been talking, I really want to get uh, my health in check. I really want to eat cleaner. I, I want to get back on my exercise regimen. So we, we did a little kind of kickstart diet, shed some pounds and then got back exercising. And really last, this past Monday was me just kind of getting back on the horse when it comes to exercise. And I set out to do about two and a half miles, this, this, this nice little loop that's shaded in the morning. That's nice. And about halfway, I was running by myself. I, I was just struggling. I was not only struggling physically, like, and so, but I was struggling mentally. Like, I don't even want to be doing this. It's my, and I, I just stopped and I'm walking and I text a friend who I run with often and I said, I said, I'm out running this morning. It was early Monday morning. I said, I'm out running. I said, but my feet are heavy. My feet are heavy. And he just texted me back real quick. And he said, you got this, keep going. You got this, keep going. And something changed, nothing changed. My feet were still heavy, but something changed in my mind with that word of encouragement back to me. There was something that shifted because I was willing to reach out to somebody and say, my feet are heavy. And here's what God just began to speak on the rest of that run as I'm pushing through was this word for you is that a lot of us, we know there's some changes that need to make in our life. We know that God's not done with us, but our feet are heavy. Paul acknowledged this many times throughout the scriptures. One particular passage comes to mind and he said, he goes, the things that I want to do, I don't do. (laughs) And it's a struggle. And other times, like the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. There's this battle of flesh and spirit, good and evil battling inside of us in the spirit realm. And and, and I want to encourage you as a people, don't give up just because your feet are heavy. And don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want to talk to you about transformation today. And there's a lot I want to lean into, the, just really two aspects of this text. Don't conform to the pattern of this world and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Those two aspects. As a prequel to that, I think there's one thing we need to talk about regarding transformation. And I think it's our motivation for transformation. Because right now, if I said, hey, what are some things you'd like to be different in your life? You could make a list of plenty of things. And I would ask you a a more clarifying question to get to really the heart of the matter is, what is God really pressing you? Where are you not aligned with God's word? Where is God wanting to do something in your life? And some of you may say, I don't know. Um, Well, how we come to find that is through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the word of God and the community of God, discipling and leading us to understand those things. But I think we need to talk about our motivation for transformation, not just what are the things that need to be changed? What is God trying to change and transform my life? But what's the motivation for those things? I think for many, most people, I would say many people, at least, that our transformation is very natural or our motivation for transformation is very natural. Like maybe if you've been attending for a while, you think, Hey, what got you to come in the door? Was it a friend just keeps, will not stop nagging you a spouse that's nagging you? (laughs) Well, Hey, I want to get my kids back in church. You know, I want to get, get my life back on track. These are some motivations we have. Or, hey, I hate my life. I'm really unhappy. I'm, I'm really struggling. Hey, I know I'm morally not a good person and I want to be a better person. We have all of these kind of natural reasons for why we want to be transformed, why we want to change. 
And, and some of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, we have no motiv- motivation for transformation. We, we have nothing that's pushing us to change at all. In fact, we can come and hear message after message and hear the word of God, but we're not doers of the word of God. Nothing changed because we're unwilling to change because of what Taryn just said. We're prideful. We're unwilling to confess. We're unwilling to reach out and say, hey, I know there's a change. My feet are heavy though. And get the encouragement we need, the wisdom and the, and the spiritual insight we need to keep moving. So a lot of us were motivated by very natural things. And, and while those are fine, natural motivation will get you out the door, but it won't help you cross the finish line. It's not going to get you to eternity. It'll get you out the door, but it's not going to help you cross the finish line. I think what we really need to be inspired by is what, what Paul says is first the mercy of God. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. We don't take advantage of his grace anymore. We don't spit on his mercy that is new for us every day by just going and saying, I don't care, I'm going to do what I want. Reject the knowledge of God, reject the wisdom of God. And so we really need to to, to look at our, our motivation for transformation. You ever driven by one of those church signs that's like super like intense? Like that's like super convicting. Like if you don't get right, you're going to get left type of thing. You ever seen that? Well, I was commenting one time with a friend about how ridiculous I thought those things were and how heavy handed and just like, I'm like, no, like it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Not like some of that. And he goes, dude, one of those things changed my life. (laughs) He goes, I saw one of those and it was so heavy handed and it is the word I needed that day. I'm like, okay, well, I'll back up a little bit on that. I'm not pulling one of those signs out for us, but still, I, I'll back up a little bit on it. Some of, the, some of the spiritual motivation we need, the proper motivation, not the natural, but the proper that's going to get across the finish line, is not just his mercy and his love, but it's also the fear of God, a genuine fear of God, an ultimate reverence for God. And I just want to speak this into us today. If you don't know what I mean by that, I'm not talking about being afraid that God's going to strike you dead today. Afraid that he's judging you at everything you're doing. Well, he, he is looking down on everything. Nothing. He's omniscient. He knows every single thing we do. You, you're not hiding from him at all. Fear of God is an ultimate reverence for God, which I also believe can be expressed as the perfect love for God. But it's this deep emotion that one day, and this realization that one day, every single one of us, everybody just raise your hand with me. Just, just raise your hand. That's like me. I'm here. Every single one of us, put your hand up, will stand before God one day. And we will be split into two categories, sheep and goats, wheat and tare, believer, unbeliever, genuine faith, cultural Christianity. We're going to be split and, and Jesus said, hey, you know, for the, the religious folks, like, hey, what are we supposed to do about all these sinners? What are we supposed to about, do about these people who don't really believe? Jesus says, don't, don't you worry about that. You're not to be the one judging. He said, I'm going to sort that out at the end. But, but here's the ultimate fear of God is that we are going to stand before God and we live with a realization that that is coming. Whether we try to put it out of our mind or whatever, we are going to stand before God. And give an account for our lives and whether we put our faith wholly in Jesus, genuinely in Jesus, and, and humble enough to be transformed by him into his, conformed in his image or not. Okay? So th- that's that. I think there's lots of other spiritual motivations we can talk about, but one of them is going to get you out the door and one of them is not going to help you get across the finish line. 
And one will help you get across the finish line. We need to have pure motivation for transformation that happens at the feet of Jesus. Not just, because here's what I'm going to get to at the very end. It's not just whether I feel good or not. Do I feel like it today? Or just tell me what I, I need to do and I'll do that. Neither of those are going to be ultimate motivators. Neither of those are going to result in real transformation into the image of Jesus. What will result in transformation is a daily life that's at the feet of Jesus, like Taryn just said, saying, you must become greater, I must become less. That means he's greater in my life. There's more of him present in transformation in my life. It's evident to the outside world. God has rocked me with his love and his mercy. And so some of us, we can keep playing church, but one day we need to have that fear of God that's going to help us truly cross the finish line. I haven't been here in a while, so I'm just preaching what I want to preach today. Let's dive into the text again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Don't conform. It's so funny, just the culture we live in that, you know, particularly with social media, I've been off social media for like a year and I jumped back on and I was there for like a minute and I'm like, all right. I was like that Homer Simpson thing where he like walks in, he puts his hat down and he grabs his hat and he walks right back out. I'm like, that was kind of my experience being off social media and get back on. Uh, but it's, it's so funny, like with social media, everybody just projects the image they want. That's really the word here for conform. It's like we fashion this image of ourselves that we want people to believe and be convinced that this is who we are, that, Hey, we care or, or, or that we're loving or that we're a good person. We want it, We create this image. And so many times we do that based on what it feels like to be rejected by people. And, and really what the calling for us is, is to be conformed into the pattern of Jesus Christ into his image and we, we are image bearers of God, but to be conformed into him and, and following him with our life. And I, I think in our day and age, like we think about how culture as a, a large wants us to conform, wants us to become something. But the reality is that we, we sense this in all of our relationships too. Like we're, we're a boss that's trying to get us to conform to be something. And I know right now, a lot of us are, we're going to think constantly about conforming to culture of political parties and decisions about uh, vaccinations and masks and all that stuff. And I think that's where a lot of our brains are going to go. And I'm telling you, don't go there because that's not what the scripture is saying. It's not saying that. It's saying we're supposed to be conformed into the pattern of Christ. We're supposed to be transformed with the renewing of our mind. I think we can go into that place. And there's a, story, there's, a, there's a thing for that. There's a conversation for that. That's not what I'm having today. Instead, we're supposed to be unified as we are being conformed, not to the pattern of this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. You see, but it happens in our, our relationships too. Like to be the husband my wife wants me to be. To, to, to be the, the mom or the, 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 the son or the daughter that your parents think you should be. Right? There's all this pressure to conform of what, hey, this is what a Christian single adult looks like and acts like and talks like, and this is what they're, how they spend their time. We're, all this conformity. It's interesting. I was speaking of social media, and I, I read an article this week from a creator, an artist, and they were talking about Instagram and just how now what gets monetized, what gets built into their al- algorithm is not fresh creative content uniqueness. What gets, what gets promoted in their algorithms is, is the, you know, the dances and like, if you copy what everybody else is doing, then you're going to get seen. 
And our culture is living like that. You're going to get recognized. You'll be lifted up. If you will, if you do what everybody else is doing, is this hidden with you? This is true in our culture. And this is not the life that God has called us to. It's one that in view of God's mercy, we just surrender everything to him. We choose not to conform to the pattern of this world. And I know so many of us, let me, let me speak specifically to those who are maybe 50 plus, 40 plus, and you've been around the church for a long time. Can I speak to you? Because whether you're online or in person, I want to speak to you because I know you, you remember the time in which America was kind of a Christian nation, right? Where at least as a baseline, biblical values and biblical morals were come from the church. What we as the church said, hey, these are the values of scripture and we're going to uphold. Some of you remember that time and, and you've just been disheartened by what you've seen in our culture over 20, 30, 40 years. And one, I, I want to let you know, I, I see you and I know you're struggling with that. I, I struggle with it in my, my own life in different ways. But here's uh, two truths that I want to speak into your life online and in the room is one, welcome to what it's like to live in the rest of the world. Welcome to what it's like to live in Canada and has been for as long as Canada has been a country. Welcome. Welcome. This is what it's been like, a, a pagan and pluralistic society. This is how it is where, where, hey, you don't get a pat on the back for being a Christian. You actually get mocked. You actually get martyred. Welcome to the, what it's like around most of the globe. Welcome to what it was like in the New Testament scriptures to the people you read about. Welcome. Welcome. Here's the good news is we've got all these surrounding witnesses who have gone before us and struggled in the midst of culture and not caving in, praying for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan today. We're just waiting for a knock at the door. I'm not saying that to manipulate or to promote fear. You know, it's a reality. And so we've got to get real about this in our own life. The Proverbs uh, 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems, appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death, right? And a lot of us, were just running with culture. It seems right. They said it was right. They legalized it. I mean, it's like they said it was right, but in the end, it leads to death. Jesus said it like this. We're like, well, Jesus isn't, that's Proverbs. Jesus, Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Man, when I think about just this, oh wait, I, I forgot the second thing I want to say and it was the encouraging part. That was the heavy part. Here's the encouraging thing for those of you that are just caught up in this. Here's, you're like, there's a second thing. Don't you hate it when preachers do that? Here's the second thing. I, I'm not worried about the church of the living God at all. I believe Jesus at his words when he said, uh, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm not worried about the church. I'm not. I believe that the more pressure that comes on, God's spirit's going to rise up even more in his body. Hey, and it may look like at times there's decline and there's increase, but God's going to do a new thing in the earth. I believe it. We can see it even now that he is going to, to be with us in this time. So keep hope, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Uh, when it comes to conforming, I, I, I can't go far without thinking about Daniel, the book of Daniel throughout the scriptures around 600 BC ish, give or take a little bit in his life. Um, we hear the story of when it's the time historically when Babylon came in to, and dominated the people of 
um, of Judah who were a remaining tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel. King Jehoiakim was, was uh, taken over by King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king. And, and what took place is known as the Babylonian exile where they pushed all the Jews out of uh, Jerusalem and they spread them all over, known as the Diaspora. And, and at that time, uh, they kind of pushed everybody else, took some captive, and the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, said, hey, I want to bring some of them. And he told his officials, hey, bring some of them into my service. Bring the noble, like some of the high, like super sharp young men that are noble, nobility and, and um, you know, of that upper class. Bring those into my service. And what they began to do is they really wanted to brainwash them over about three years. They wanted them to conform to Babylonian culture and literature and language, and they just wanted to indoctrinate them with uh, Babylonian worship and culture and that mindset. And, and can I just tell us, like m- the vast majority of us, we too have been trained in that throughout our life. We, we've been trained in, in an in-depth culture about what our uh, in-depth um, indoctrination of what our culture says is right and wrong. And so this passage the, the need, I want you to see the need to renew our minds in God's truth and God's world, not of the world. And that it's going to take some time. But they, they, they come to a point in, in Daniel chapter one, where Daniel and three young men, um, you know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but um, Mishael and Hananiah and Azariah, these three, that's their Hebrew names. They were given Babylonian names that we, we often use because they're easier to say. <laughs> um, um, but in, in this passage, uh, I'm not ready for that yet, but um, uh, they, they get to this place where they're like, hey, we're not going to drink what the king has for us. We're going to set ourselves aside and they, they don't give in. And then they, the pressure, and then the, after 10 days, people are blown away. Like the officials are blown away. Like, man, they didn't conform to what you know, we told them to do, they just ate fruits and vegetables and water and like how amazing that, you know, they're just, you know, in such good place here, you know, like, and their, their wisdom is just far beyond anyone else's uh, at this time. And so they're blown away. And then you get to chapter three, and then there's this threat of uh, being, uh, you know, uh, confronted with uh, the, the, King Nebuchadnezzar's edict or decree that every woman, they hear the sound of these trumpets should bow down to this idol. And they refuse. They refuse to bow down. So they bring him, they bring these uh, young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we know them um, from their Babylonian names, they bring them to before the king. And here's what, when confronted by the king, here's what they say. Check this out in chapter three. I think I have that on there, don't I? Did I give that to you, Sophia? Nope. Okay. Um, here's, here's what they say. I got to find it in my notes now. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will um, deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. It's amazing. And so they just hold their ground, refusing to conform to bow down to the idols of this world. And so they hold their ground. They throw them in this fiery furnace. And there in the midst of the uh, furnace, the officials look on and there's another in the fire. They say that looks like the image of like one of the sons of the king, like some of the gods. They don't know. They don't know God. And so they're just calling that out. I guess I said Siri. Somebody just picked up on Siri in the room. Um, 
and they hold their ground and God keeps them. And they come out and the king's like, all right, nobody talk trash about their God because he's real in some way, shape, or form. I don't know him for myself, but he's real. It's an incredible story about not conforming to the pattern of this world. Peter has an incredible encouragement for Christians too, um, who are living in a society in which, hey, maybe suffering is on the verge of happening. Maybe some now, right now are suffering. Maybe it's physical illness or injustice in, in, in some way, shape or form. And uh, excuse me, First uh, Peter 2.21 says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So we're not to conform to the image of this world. We're to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And we need to have a narrow focus of God. We want to be like you. We want to follow you. I know what this party is telling me to do. I know what this party is telling me to do. God, what are you telling me to do? I know this is what this boss is saying. And this boss is saying something else. God, what are you telling me to do? I want to hear your voice. And then we'll, we'll wrap on the second part of this, which is to be transformed, not conforming, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Say, well, what does renewing of the mind really mean? It means thinking biblically. It's getting to a place where we think in the pattern with the truth of God's word through the lens of Jesus Christ. Not through the lens of a Jewish lens, but we, we view it through the lens of Jesus Christ. And, and I know a lot of us, like we, we love to, to look at Hebrew culture, but we don't look at the word of God anymore really as Jews. Like we look at it through the lens of Jesus Christ and what he means for our life. And he means freedom for our life. The, the commands of God are not heavy that weigh us down. They, we should delight ourselves in God's truth and his principle. He speaks that how is this going to be done? This, how are we going to begin to think with purity of mind and with truth that's built on the word of God and with truth himself, Jesus Christ. He said, you're going to do it through renewing of your mind, a process that takes place. He's really hearkening back to Romans chapter one, when he talks about that people had kind of pushed away. They didn't think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. Um, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. So that they didn't, uh, so they do what ought not to be done. He's right before this, he's just talking about they had given themselves over to, to unnatural relationships with man and woman. And he says, furthermore, he, they didn't think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. And he goes on to say, verse 29, they've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice, the gossips. He goes on and we'll stop there. But he's hearkening back when he says we need a renewed mind because if we continue to just push aside God's truth and God's command and you say, well, I don't do that. Like, I like the message, pastor. It's good. It's good. I like it. You're kind of fiery, but you make some jokes. I like it. You know, say, I like it. But hey, do we retain the knowledge of God? Do we remember anything 20 minutes later? Is there anything that puts us to action on Monday morning? Is there anything that changes? Well, we need to back up. Are we retaining the knowledge of God? Or are we just like those that Paul was talking about in Romans chapter one? We just didn't think it was worthwhile. And so what God does, he just gives us over to our depraved mind. Just keep, you can think you're right. You can think you're singing the lyric right. You can think you've got the idiom right. You can think you've got the truth, but you don't. And so we need a renewed mind. And how does that happen on a daily basis? 
by surrendering ourselves first in light of God's mercy in view of God's mercy, surrendering our life as a living sacrifice that says, I don't get to call the shots in this relationship. God, you call the shots. I trust you with everything. And my life is a response of worship because of what you've done. It starts with mercy and goes from there. Saying yes to Jesus, turning from our sin and being created into a new creation. So second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says that if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And some of us, we've, we've tried to straddle this fence of, of cultural Christianity and, and having, our, having our cake and eating it too. But God's calling us to be made fully new in Christ. A new mind, a new spirit. And it's not, I think some of us, again, we'll want to we'll go and do this by our own strength and excitement, whether we're feeling excited about Jesus today or not, whether we feel inspired by the message this week or not. And that's not going to get us very far. It's by his mercy in our own life that calls us into this new relationship and new life in which we become a new creation through not just our own strength and our own efforts, but, but the voice of God, the spirit of God working inside of us. Because in this day and age where everybody wants to tell you who to be, God, who do you say I am? God, who, who do you say I am? God, would you draw me into that? Would you make me new? This is what it means to be born again. But the reality for so many of us is that our life looks just like a non-believers. We're practical atheists. We say we believe in Jesus and follow him, but then we go and we do whatever we want. Like there is no God. We do not pursue him. We do not respond in repentance and faith in Jesus Christ in any real and tangible way in our life. And I'm calling us into correction in that today so that we may truly be made new, that we may truly not conform to the image of this world, patterns of this world, but the image of Christ and who he has called us to be as his church. Uh, chapter one uh, speaks a word to us today. And I think it's powerful, you know, of Daniel when we were looking back at that. And so if he had put it up a few minutes ago, but Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or the wine in which he drank. He made up his mind. You know, I, I think in our lives, some of us, we haven't made up our mind. We've just, again, we've been straddling the fence. Uh, we haven't fully surrendered our lives in light of his mercy to Jesus. We've been kind of doing cultural Christianity and just playing the church game. And God wants all of our hearts. He wants all of us. Uh, not so it's like, hey, look at all these things that need to change. But no, 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 no. Be delighted by his love for you. That while we were still sinners, Christ died. And so many of us, our motivation is, I need to get my life right so God will accept me. Not the gospel. The gospel is we cannot reach heaven in our own good works. Heaven came to us, Jesus Christ, and made a way for us. And so if you feel like I've got this great thing, no, 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 you've got a simple step today to make. That's confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Put your faith in him. And surrender your life fully to him and let him take control of the results. As Charles Stanley used to say, God takes full responsibility for the life wholly devoted to him. He takes full responsibility for the life that's wholly devoted to him. 
You know, some of us, we, we know the changes that need to be made, but we've got some heavy feet. We, we, we know, we, hey, I know the changes that need to be made. God, I know you're, you're doing some work here, but I, I need you to help me. Maybe today in the next few moments, God's going to give us a moment to just be able to cry out, maybe in this altar, maybe in the altar of your seat and just say, God, I'm, I'm sorry for just making it, making you in my image, making a God out of what I think is right, God, and not putting you first, consulting you and relying upon your word and following the pattern of Jesus. Some of us, I just want to encourage you. Hey, I know your feet are heavy, but you got this. Keep going. He's got you. Keep going. You got this. Keep going. Don't stop. Once your feet stop, those legs start getting even more. So keep going. Take your next steps today. Some of us will walk out of here and, and be like, okay, I'm feeling it today. I'm feeling it. Or I wasn't feeling it today. When you wake up tomorrow, I'll be like, I feel like it. I feel like praying next Sunday. Do I feel like going to church? So we'll say things like that in our head and our heart. Come on. Some of us, we just say, Hey, just to pastor, will you just tell me what I'm supposed to do? Will you just tell me what steps I'm supposed to take? And I'm telling you, neither of those are going to lead to just genuine transformation in our life, but will is coming to the feet of Jesus and saying, God, have your way, transform me fully in and out. God, have your way. So I may live a life that's holy and pleasing to you, not that's holy and pleasing to my neighbor, to anybody else. Holy and pleasing to you, God. You're all we're after today. God, we're after you. We want to see your face, God. We want to draw near to you today. I want to ask you to stand and bow your heads. This band's going to lead us in just a few moments. Our real transformation is going to happen at the foot of the cross. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God, but here's what I know is none of us are there yet, right? Even today in his presence, God convicts me and he's working in me that I too today and tomorrow might say, God, I repent, God, of my sins and I draw near to you. Would you transform me to be more like you? Would you help me think biblically, have true discernment in my life, God, and to set aside my sin, my own depraved mind, God, I'm going to retain to the knowledge of God today. I'm going to retain to your words, God, from this scripture. Not a man's word, but your words, God, I'm going to retain to it today. So wherever you're at right now, I just want to call you to make a step somewhere to do something right now. If, if you would just, if everybody, here's what I want to do. Close your eyes. If everybody's eyes are closed, I don't know. Maybe I told you that already. Close your eyes. And I just want to see where you're at. Does anybody say, hey, I know a change that needs to be made, but my feet are heavy. Come on. Can you just raise your hand? And you say, I know a change that needs to be made, but my feet are heavy. Anybody? Okay. Okay. You're not alone. Don't look around. I'm just telling you, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep it real. Thank you. My feet are heavy, God. God, our feet are heavy. So God, right now in your presence, we come, we bow down, we bow hearts before you and say, have your way. Some of us right now with our lives, our hands are clenched tight. We will not re release them to worship. We will not release them to have all that God has for us. 
And I just call off you. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Father, we love you today. Have your way in our life. In Jesus' holy name. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, fathom beyond sunday and there you'll find our new podcast you'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations just taking the truth of god's word from our sunday sermon a step further talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between monday and saturday not just on sunday we love you we're praying for you and we hope you'll tune in again soon